What's the story, everyone? Welcome back to Gaelic Games Fan TV. It's the Monday recap show. We're going to look back at all the weekend's games from the weekend. Obviously, plenty of talking points. Obviously, big wins for pretty much the majority of Ulster, really. Uh, of, of all nine counties, eight wins, one draw. So we'll be reviewing all those games in uh, in detail. And uh, plenty of other big results as well. Obviously, the likes of Mayo turning over Galway uh, on the opening day. Tyrone, massive win for them. Massive wins for Monaghan. Cross Division 2, you big wins for the likes of Donegal and Cavan as well. And we'll be looking a little bit at Division 3 and Division 4 a little bit later on. Joined here by Kevin Kennedy from the GA Sports Tracker app. Kevin, you're an Antrim man, obviously, so you're, as I was chatting to you off air, you're, you're happy enough with an opening day win away to Limerick and maybe it puts my prediction of uh, of you getting relegated in the mud. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think our problem last year, Arm, is uh, consistency. You know, we, we couldn't string two games together come the league. So I think yesterday's game was one we expected to win. Um, you know, I think that Limerick going down there um, was always going to be uh, tough for anybody. I was following it on the sort of the Scorpio up, and there were seven points ahead. And then all of a sudden, Limerick were back, but then a point was going on. No, you know, chalk and cheese about like the awful game last year. But the boys rallied and they seen it out, which is really good. Um, and it's now you all play at home with four home games to go, especially those down the down and Westmead game. That's where your season is defined on. You want know, them need to get up in the division two in order to progress because I think they'll have a good opportunity this year. Um, to get up in there. But yeah, I wouldn't read an awful lot into it. It was just a nice way to get the league started. They were starting with the high. Especially after two defeats in the McCann Cup. Yeah, because it was some weekend as, as well as a whole for, for the Ulster province. I mean, all eight, you know, Fermanagh, obviously the only side not winning, but even at that, a draw against Mead away from home, certainly not a bad result. I think many people um, would say, obviously, you have the likes of Antrim getting big wins, Cavan getting wins, a lot of sides away from home, obviously, as well. Monaghan beating Dublin at Crow Park. So, like, overall, for the Ulster province, like, it's one hell of a weekend, like, eight wins, one draw. It doesn't really get much better than that. No, not unless you add that our my club senior football, intermediate football, and also junior football are winners are all from Ulster as well. So I'll I'll, I'll throw that in there, pen where we're brilliant. No, um, like I think Ulster probably gets a wee bit of a bit of a bad rap at times because we're probably the only ones who want to hold on to the provincial championship as it is, you know. And that's that's you know, the, the position that Lancer can't and Montconic less so, but position Lancer and Monster find themselves in. That's, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, I think with Ulster, it works out really well. It is competitive. I didn't expect all those teams to do well. I think watching, I did expect Antrim to win. Thought it would have been difficult for Fermanagh. And by all accounts, I think you even tweeted that they were unlucky not to win that game. Um, I didn't watch the game, but they were unlucky not to win the game. A massive result for Cavan. You know, a massive result for Cavan away to Kildare. But I suppose Kavanagh, where they, they need to be Kavanagh, Division 2 team, and have been for some time, just by a bad run of form, they back down Division 4. I think they were Division 4 whenever they did win Ulster. So Kavanagh are definitely an established Division 2 team, and have been for a long time, just in the wrong grade. Um, and then, yeah, I think that Donegal were fantastic yesterday, you know, absolutely fantastic yesterday. Derry to go down to Trilly and get the win against Kerry um, was really good. So I, I, my only caution would be, Again, not to read too much into it, but look at what way the Division One fixtures fin or positions finished last year. I think it's it's probably a, a grabbing a straw sort of argument, but we had Ross Common, Mayo, and Galway up in the, the the top three positions. 
And come the latter stage of the championship, neither of them done anything. You know, they weren't there and weren't talked about. So I think that, yeah, it's nice to do well in the league, but you're you're defamed by what you do in the summer. Yeah, and I suppose you mentioned there, obviously, like, obviously in club championships, you know, junior All-Ireland winners, intermediate All-Ireland winners, senior All-Ireland winners, obviously all coming, all coming from the province of Ulster. And I suppose when you look at Ulster sides in the league, in the last sort of four or five years, like there's sort of been incremental improvements, you would say almost every year from a lot of them. Not always, you know, some have obviously been relegated and everything else and, and drop backwards. But like you look at the likes of Fermanagh getting up to division two, Antrim, obviously big win. And obviously speaking to you sort of earlier in the year, you, you fancy them obviously to go on a bit of a promotion charge. And then you've obviously got Derry making their way up to division one. So like, it does seem like gradually, like, cause you, you obviously have no division four sides or, you know, from Ulster, I think Fermanagh are the only Fermanagh and Down the only two Division Three sides, or Antrim and Down, I should say, and obviously they're both improving. So it does seem like every year there does seem to be gradual improvements from, I suppose, some counties in Ulster who maybe didn't have their act together for for, for a long time. You know, the likes of Down obviously getting back into the conversation as well. So yeah, I suppose like as you said, like the the Ulster Province is is really where it's at at the minute. Yeah, and you know, down down at a good win against Wickrow there. Uh Wicklow, you know, listened to um, watching Cornwall speaking earlier on. It's really interesting to get, you know, from a manager's perspective later on that day in terms of what what way he felt the game was going whenever the emotion hasn't been removed, but it certainly died down a wee bit, you know, not that immediate reaction after. And down are a team that are, are coming, you know, they are coming. They've won the last two Ulster championships under twenty. So by all expectations. They're, I mean, they're heavy on favourites to get promoted into, into Division 2 next year. If somehow Fermanagh can stay up, and it was a great start for them against me, you know, um, if they can, because Fermanagh are different. Fermanagh, I think they've only got like eight senior football teams. You know, that they, they face yeah. a, a huge, different, or difficult challenge than any other team because their population is so small. Um, and then you take into account that three of their senior players walked away at the start of the year. You know, they, they didn't declare uh, that they pay anymore for Fermanagh for a number of different reasons. They do face a challenge. They did see them in the, in the league, wasn't overly impressed with them in the league, thought that they lacked depth in the league, or sorry, in the Mechanic Cup. But yeah, and I think that Kildare or Kildare, Cavan to get that result is probably, I've seen someone putting it out, probably not a massive shock because of Kildare's inconsistencies. It was they were away from home. You know, you can't plant a team in Carlo and call it a home team. It's no longer a home fixer from that. May play in later on come the, the, the stages of the league. Uh, Meath, watching Westmeath last year, I saw that they won the Tatsun Cup and doing now they had a good championship run, but doing absolutely nothing in Division Three last year. Maybe that is playing into the Meath factor as well. I don't know, but if both those Ulster teams were able to stay up into Division Two next year, plus one, maybe potentially two, you know, geez, would be very lucky to get both of them up in there. It would be a massive, I mean, football's all north then. You know, everything to do, apart from Kerry, your whole football's up north. Yeah, yeah, no, it is It is interesting, all right, and I suppose looking into the games, obviously first up, Derry and Kerry, obviously the, the game that was on the, the Saturday was Kerry, it was actually Kerry 2-8, I'll correct that in a moment, Derry 15 points. Um, yeah, massive result, obviously, for, for Derry, Mickey Hart's first game. Um I suppose a bit. It was a bit of a shock for for most people. Obviously, seeing Connor Glass, Kieran McFell, the Doherty's, like everyone, obviously rocking out for for Derry. What did you make of that? First of all, yeah, I mean, Connor, Connor Glass, Kieran McFall, they're Ethan Doherty. You know, they they 
they gave up a, a weekend away in Kerry Gone Shannon. The rest of the Glen team were down in Kerry Gone Shannon for the weekend. And then boys went down to Kerry. They obviously want to play football. You know, Mickey Hart, I don't think, I put any pressure on. They made that decision to come in there and they started straight away. They're obviously flying fit. A couple of days celebrating or doing Tour de France, whatever Connor Glass was doing. Yeah, the boys want to play football. And I think Kevin made a good point in the WhatsApp group saying, give them a good, you know, Derry have to stay in Division One. You know, give them the first three league games, get them safe. And then if they want to take a break, for pay them to go away and do that. Um, but yeah, I, I think if it didn't happen, then you know, Connor Gloss when we got engaged, so there's always benefits to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing that, like, uh, obviously, one one hell of a week really for Connor Glass. Like, um, obviously, yeah, like winning all Ireland, beating Kerry, then getting engaged. Um, I suppose as some people were saying on you know Twitter and everything, it all goes downhill from here. Do you know? Yeah, uh, that's. I mean, you're not be allowed to play football next year. <laughs> we have to. Yeah, play football. Football. You're not be allowed to watch match on TV. Yeah. Uh, but no, look here. I I done a wee bit of working then at one time, and his mum would have came down. There's a bit of fitness camp in there. His mum would have came down and get him. Just really down to earth. There'll be people, you know, in Glen Glen Club. The people that are around her, they just live and breathe football. And they're not only that, but Slough Needle, which is less than a mile up the road. Um. You actually had to pass the Slough Needle Bar in Mahara to get to the Glen Centre. But you know, that, that's a backbone of Derry football and has been for a long time. I think that you know, Derry do have an abundance of talent underage. They're getting them through steady, but I would still think a risk is maybe um, that they're not, they're not getting enough players through at one time. You know, they're not bringing in like five or six players to try them in the league. And maybe later on in the championship, that may be an issue. Was it an issue for them last year? That's not what beat them against Kerry in the semi-final. Maybe experience beat them. Even the players are coming on were still very good players, but they just lacked a wee bit of experience at that level. They still, you know, Jack uh, O'Connor came out there last week and says that they were very lucky to get over Derry in that. Um, but I would like to see a, a few more new faces exposed in that um, Derry lineup. Yeah, because that does seem to be the the criticism maybe of Derry. Like obviously. I suppose maybe it didn't affect them too much last year because obviously they still gave a, a very, very good account of themselves against Kerry and were probably actually very unlucky maybe not to win that game in in the all-around semi-final last year. But as you said, like maybe a case of of a burnout in many ways. Like you've got Kerry who on one hand side, you know, don't have the Cliffords. Obviously Sean O'Shea was playing, but even at that, you, you looked at the amount of sort of starting Kerry players who were missing. And then on the flip side of that, you have Derry, going you know full strong now and they're probably even going to be playing in a tougher province you would imagine than Kerry as well so they're going to have even tougher games once the championship comes around so it is interesting to be fair to see the the two different approaches yeah and I was I was speaking to a few of the boys I think it's win-win for both teams like you know Kerry want to be there Kerry turn up and whenever it goes to the iron semi-final that's where Kerry start to come through for Derry they went down there they've got them a monkey off their back in terms of um, getting a win over Kerry in their own backyard. Um, a difficult place mm-hmm. for any team to go to. But especially after the semi-final last year where they were unlucky, at least you know, that's a that's 1-1. Now, you might say that Kerry were weakened um, significantly, but they still had a lot of starting footballers. You know, Joe O'Connell start from Gavin White, um, you know, Shane Rand, Sean O'Shea. So let's argument that it was a Kerry second team. 
you're not talking. I know we 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 love Clifford and he's brilliant for the game, but you're not talking against a really bad footballer being replaced by a megastar. You're talking about a good footballer, a very good like Dylan Ganey, for example, has done wonders for them in the preseason. He had a good year this year, uh, in his club championships. You're talking about a very good footballer being replaced by a better footballer, who's you know who he is, and you know Chrissy McKeague arguably probably would have done just as good a job on to um, Clifford on Saturday night as he did on Shane Shea. You know, that's, that's just, he would have had to adapt to this game, but um, I don't fall into the thing whereby you're playing a completely different team. It is Kerry versus Terry at the end of the day. Kerry will say, well, we stronger players to come back, better players to come back. We were only playing about with um getting people exposed and Darry will be going away saying, well, we've got to win over you. That's, that's good enough for us. So it'll be interesting coming later on in the year. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like you'd imagine a result like this will stand to Derry because I suppose it's been a while since we saw them in division one. And I know they've had big results in Ulster and everything else, but in terms of beating a Kerry, beating a Dublin, I know they beat Dublin in the league last year, but in terms of coming back to division one, getting a win away to Kerry on their own ground, albeit as you said, maybe a few players missing for Kerry and Derry probably were more or less at their best. You're like that will do, that will do huge for them. Cause you'd imagine these two, if they play each other again in the championship, it could be a semi-final, could maybe even be a final potentially. Yeah. And I think, you know, to work to the, the sort of the Glenn argument, Connor Glass, Kier McFall, you know, Doherty, I don't think, I don't know if Emma Bradley was stripped out, but I know he's back in next year for Derry. But even Con- take Connor Glass, for example, he's got a club all iron in his back pocket. Now. He's a king of Ulster. Why wouldn't you go down? I know you'll not like this, but why wouldn't you go down to the home of football, play against the, the kingdom and get a result down there? You know, you're going from brilliant, brilliant, and then going get engaged to the, his, his partner. You know, it's just that fellow's I hate I, I would hate to be honest, calm down. Scenery has to that that calm down. That'd be worthy the worst hangover in the world. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's where he has to he has to come back down to it. But he just went level after level after level to get up into that. And he's had a brilliant week and yeah, this is the buzz you must get off it. Why wouldn't you go down and play against Kerry mm, if you felt yeah. you could? It is, it is true, all right. And look, to be fair, those lads do seem to be used to that. You know, they've done that last year, obviously under Gallagher as well. Like I remember them lining out in the first league game last year, which I think was against Limerick in Division Two. So, um, to be fair, those lads do seem to be uh, do seem to be used to it. In fairness, from a Kerry perspective, like ultimately. I suppose we know that they're looking ahead, obviously, to the championship. Does the league mean too much to them? I'm not entirely sure if it does. But did we learn that from from Kerry's performance on on Saturday? Um, yeah, I'd be I'd be happy if I was a Kerry supporter, a Kerry player, a Kerry management team. I think that how they're trying to adopt back to a more traditional kicking game, even against the wind, they were trying to kick that ball, and that didn't pay off them. But if you remember back to the year to run the COVID year to run well. Um, the other, they had a, a poor league throughout the league, but they tried to play a kicking brand of football throughout that whole league. They tried to adopt their game. And Kerry, if Kerry want to be at Dublin, if they want to be at the Derrys, you know, they're the two teams that, in my view, they have to be at this year, they have to adopt their game. And that's not going to happen in your preseason competitions. You have to learn that game come the league. So, Sanji and Good stay come the championship. So it mightn't have worked for them the other night. They had opportunities to win that game and put that game to bed. But I think that throughout the league, Kerry will be all right. Kerry will stay up in, in Division 1. And doing that, they will redevelop their football. They'll, re, they'll 
not redesign, but they'll adapt their game to, so that whenever it comes to playing against Dublin and Derry later on, Derry, remember, a very defensive team. Whenever Derry drop back, they do at a pace, and it can be hard to go through that or go around it or go over the top of it. The only way of beating that sort of mass blanket defence is by playing super quick football. You're getting from one side of the pitch to get a shot off within 45, 50 seconds. That's where that's hard land. Won the All-Ireland club football. You watch Donny Goal. That's how they transitioned this year massively. Um, you have to get that ball up as quick as you can. And there is a trend developing in GA that the quicker you can get a shot off, the more likely you are to score. You know, it's no longer possession-based. Um, you watch Mayo. Mayo haven't developed their football at all, um, but at least Kerry are trying to do it. So I'd be happy enough with Kerry playing against Derry. Didn't get the result they want, but my God, it was an entertaining game of football. Once it had the first 10 minutes, it opened up and it was a joy to watch. Absolutely, yeah. Like, And to be fair to Kerry, they go up against... Monaghan and next away from home Derry obviously take on Tyrone as well and what a game that's going to be in fairness and speaking of Monaghan obviously big result for them away to Dublin at Crow Park it was Dublin 114 Monaghan 3-9 I was at this game it was an interesting game because there was one there was certain moments in the game where I felt like Dublin were going along pretty well and we're actually playing some good football um but Monaghan as Monaghan do stick in there give themselves the best possible chance and they took their big opportunities when when they came and I suppose Stephen O'Hanlon, very, very good performance from from him. I mean, we were talking sort of in the build-up to this game about key players leaving Monaghan, the likes of Rory Began, the likes of Carl Gallagher, no Conor McManus, obviously, um, in the early part of the league. But in step Stephen O'Hanlon, and he delivered hugely. And um, yeah, it was a hu- huge win for, for Monaghan, who do seem to have an awful knack of, uh, of beating us stubs in the league in the last sort of five or six years. Yeah, and what a goal, you know, with his weaker feet too. Absolutely belt ever goal, you know, and, and for a play, as you said, it was a bit of a a strange year or a strange game. I watched Monaghan in the Mechanic Cup and I wasn't overly impressed by them at all. You know, the, the guy there, the name will forget me now, but David, he started 13 the other night, David Goff, is it David Gold? I'll come back to me. But I'm really impressed with him, thought he was a cracker. Um, and then, as you say, starting the game, well, Dublin were about six points up after 20 minutes, five points up after 20 minutes. And mm. at that point, Monaghan only registered two single points. And you're going, my God, you know, that they can't carry those losses. It's going to be an absolute horrible year for them. And then they get um, the two goals just before half time, come out in the second half. And it's a completely different Monaghan team from what we're used to. And, you know, to be fair, I know that Benny Corey, he, he's had to change. He's had to change his team because of. Maybe players not been there or players stepping the way. But David Garland, yeah. Um there he's had to change his team. And I thought there were a different team. I think were and people watching this will they'll tell me Kevin weighs up the absolute head case. I watch Rory Began. I'm not taking away from Rory Began's ability to play football. I think he's a good footballer. Um I think that he doesn't maybe Bring enough to the Monaghan team in terms of it, that role of going forward. I think Monaghan at times can over-reliant upon and they can come out and sweep back round and go through that pivot and overplay the ball an awful lot. I was up watching in Celtic Park last year against Derry and they should have had Derry by four, five, six points. But by overplaying the ball, they continue to let um, Derry come back into it. And this is about come back to my earlier point. There's a trend in the Gaelic football that you, the quicker you can get a shot off, the more likely you are to score. Um, it, it stops teams getting their bodies behind the ball. And whenever you're over-reliant upon that keeper in that pivot role to make those lateral passes from side to side, 
it takes away from aspects of your game. And Cairo Kane, he tweeted it during the week, you know, that Cormac Murphy got the point against Kerry. He went straight at them. He didn't think about trying to manage a game. He didn't play for a draw. He took a, a, a chance and got a score. And that was the same with Holland. You know, that's, that's the same way that Monaghan played in that second half on Saturday night. They went for the game. And even at that point, you were, you were thinking Dublin are going to get this here. Dublin are going to come back. But Monaghan maybe in, uh, would have been happy with the point. But those young players coming through, weren't they just... I have an opportunity here to show my type of football that I can play, take the chance and go for it. And their transition from their back line right through their forward time at times was absolutely electric. And that was my biggest takeaway from the game, but they had these young players coming through. Monaghan, I remember watching them in Belfast, I think it was about two or three years ago. They minor up in there. They had about 40 or 50 on their on their minor panel. They've had it for a long time. They have had good underage success. They have good young players coming through. And the future of Gaelic football is an aggressive fast flowing football if you want to look at what donny gold done yesterday the future of gaelic football isn't fast flowing football and if monaghan can adopt that they'll do well they will do well yeah for any fan tv says if that's how, if that's the way we play without manzi darren hughes connor mccarthy and rory Began, imagine how good we'll be with them mcnulty and stephen mooney are some additions could this be the year monaghan are serious all orleans contenders yeah look i think they're definitely a contender i don't think they'd win it but um look i mean they got to the semi-final last year and, and as you said before like they do seem to keep finding the, these additions which i think like is testament to monaghan i think we like i've said on previous shows before in terms of population in terms of resources they're probably one of the counties that has the fewest sort of uh, resources available to them and, and also in terms of population as well but they just keep producing players and like it's not even like they're i suppose they're getting to the odd under 20 ulster final here and there but they just keep on finding these players and it's a testament to whatever they're doing behind the scenes the fact they just keep finding these players yeah i say it, it's been a while you know they haven't reached the heights of maybe Tyrone over years under age and especially gary maybe the last 10 years in terms of the, the, the players they're able to produce but they 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 do have big numbers down in there. They have they play a lot of McCrory Cup football as well, which stands them a good step by time to come to senior football. It just my concern, and again, you'll not know until later on in the year, but they were able to change their state of football with these younger players coming through. And maybe it's like a learned behaviour. You know, I think not just Monaghan, but a lot of teams. And we'll talk about Galway and Mayo shortly. But they almost had this learned behaviour of let's take away the risk. Let's Go back and, and get it to somebody in a more feasible or more um, likely shooting zone. Or if I shoot, I make a total off. And you know that mentality at present. These young players didn't have it, so I necessarily wouldn't think that bringing the older players and more senior players straight back in will bring them from here to here. I think the older players have to learn from the younger players as well in terms of their freedoms. You know, McManus stand out by himself, yes, but the rest of those players will have to learn to quick and ball, quick and ball, because there is a say there is an evident an evidential trend that the faster you can move the ball up the pitch, the better the better your chances are of scoring. And that may take a wee bit of unlearning for some of those older players to come back in. Yeah, what did, what did you make of Finney Corey's comments uh, full time? Obviously, speaking about Rory Began, yeah. yeah. he'll, he'll come to his senses eventually. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both in the same club. They, it was tongue in cheek. They're having a laugh, you know. Um, you can just see him there chopping away at it. He will obviously wish no, but no, uh, Rory Began all the success in the world. It was down, as I say, down in 
Castle Blaney with the Mechanic Cup, Andrew Mechanic Cup game, and I was chatting to a lot of boys down there in Monaghan. There's nobody doesn't wish Rui Began the best in the world whenever it comes to um, these NFL trials. You know, fair play to him, and I hope, hope all the Irish lads have ever done themselves justice. Make it come off, but here, when you be loving in the position to take the, the chance to go and shoot, do it. Yeah, like it's it's one of them. Like when if, if you see the the quotes, you might think, oh, he's he's taking a bit of a an interest in you know stab at begging there. But actually, when you see him say it, it's it's taken completely out of out of context. And again, I think it's probably a case of you know journalists and the media and everything trying to create a storm out of uh, out out of absolutely nothing. I don't think there was there was anything at all in it. Like, yeah, no, like here it's clickbait. You know, that's what it is. Clickbait, and there's people that go in and. They, they get paid for every click that they get into that, you know. So if you're getting a 50p a click from ASOS or AA, mm. whatever it might be, you're you're going to put something up in there. But we all know that bad news sales more so than good news, unfortunately. Yeah. I see on social media. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. Rory says, I do think Dublin will beat Mayo and Castle Barris probably just because Monaghan do have a good record uh, against the Dubs. And Gaelic Guy says, this could lead to Dublin down a bad run of games. Like the uh, the 2022 league, yeah, it is interesting. We've got Mayo up next, then Roscommon at home, then Kerry at home. So a couple of difficult games, as as you do in Division One. I mean, Division One is the the highest division in all four leagues, so you're gonna get tough fixtures. But yeah, like I mean, from a from a Dublin perspective, I mean, we saw this from Dublin a lot of the time last year, where Dublin were very slow out of traps. They didn't really look particularly bothered with the league, even throughout Leinster and even in the all in the group stages, they didn't look particularly great. Um, like it, there was, they were fairly, you know, very, you know, very probably stronger actually than I imagined, to be honest. And you obviously had James McCarthy coming on, um, in the in the second half. But what did you make of of Dublin's performance? I mean, they were obviously Desi Farr was obviously a bit peed off that, after the game that, that they had lost. Um, probably a bit more peed off than I thought he would have been. Maybe not easy getting beat at home in front of a good crowd on a Saturday night in Croke Park. He will want to stay. He'll not want to do that dog fight. Not so much a dog fight, but he'll not want to go back down to Division 2. You know, because even after winning the Iron, that will be seen as a bit of success or a bit of a, a failure at the start of the year. It'll play into their heads come later on in the championship. But I I don't think they've had an awful lot to worry about. Um, I wasn't impressed with Mayo's win over Galway. Um, I think that Dublin will, I mean, it'd be a different animal against Tyrone. Uh, but whenever it comes to matching Connacht football, I think Dublin will be all right. I think they'll beat your Mayos. I think they'll beat Galways and even Ross Commons this year to stay safe. And that has to be Dublin's ambition because you say they're not overly worried about the league. They'll want the, to be there in that run for the All-Ireland this year. And to go back to the point, top three teams last year done nothing. You know, as long as you stay safe in Division 1, maybe in the long run, a stance in good state. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Like, and, and and there was still some good performances from Dublin. Like Costello, I thought it was good. Ross McGarry, who was on the freeze, I thought played well. And it's it certainly it's certainly not the end of the world from a Dublin perspective because we we no. know what what will come with with Dublin later in the year. And I think it was a Basquell, was it? Um, he tried that one to flick it into the net towards the, mm. the end. Um, had a caught that and put it in. The game was over. You know, it's, it's just this is where yeah. the swings around it's come from. There wasn't an awful lot on it. And Monaghan. Fair play them. They 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 got a brilliant win, um, and the news was all brilliant. But it wasn't it wasn't a horrible performance by Dublin. They just were 
the, the ups and downs. You know, they started really well. Game should have been potentially over. They had a, a third goal opportunity, but within 20, 25 minutes, that would have been the game dead and buried. And this is with a small margin you're talking about. But it may be, it'd be a wee bit more concerned for, you know, the way Armagh last year. Armagh were competing with Galway, Mayo, um, your carries, and it was all one-point games. You can go on a wee bit of a bad run. You can still play well and give you a bad point, and that could bring you into your relegation fit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You're speaking to Mayo there. They beat Galway two twelve to ten points. Wasn't a particularly great game. I, I don't think. I don't think either side were particularly at their best. Um, I suppose really like once Owen McLaughlin got that goal and Mayo had something to defend and something to to hang on to. They they, they obviously you know um, kicked on from there and and got the victory. What were your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, watching a bit of a a, a poor game, um, you know, there's no really excitement to it. I think we were probably a wee bit spoiled on the, the night before. Not to say the night before was absolutely amazing and without its faults in terms of the performance, but it was almost like Galway and Mon- Galway and Mayo haven't developed over the winter. They were still playing the same brand of football they're they're playing last year. And I'll you know start off by calling it now. I'd be more concerned around about Mayo than I would about Galway. Um, and I know that's mad to say, especially after Galway come away with a win. But Mayo to me look like they're playing the same football that they've always tried to play and they haven't adopted and changed it. I mean talked about it with Kerry. Kerry are trying to play kick on football. But Mayo are still trying to play that. Make look it make look fast on TV, but whenever they get so far up, they look over the shoulder and they'll play that ball back and round. And and that's not the there's no evolution of football, there's no development of football in there. I I done the stats in that game. I didn't do it for the Kerry and Derry game. I didn't do it for that because one of the teams actually used the up. But in terms of the stats themselves, you you have in terms of shots. Galway and Mayo both hit 20 shots. And that's probably not something you've seen in real time. They both hit 20 shots. Now, Mayo Mayo got 70% of those converted, whereas Galway were down to 50%. That tells me there's a lot more improvement mm. in Galway than what there is. Their keeper kept on going long for some mod reason until, um, you know, I know that Mayo were pressing up onto them. But they, they kept on going long and handing it over to Mayo. Mayo had that middle third completely, or sorry, middle of the pitch completely saturated with players. They were winning every kick out that were going on. Galway couldn't get a foothold in the game. Aidan O'Shea done brilliantly on it. Mayo got a good balance in terms of their scores out of the 212 that they scored. One six came from their own kick out and one six also came from turnovers, which is balanced. That's brilliant. Galway, Galway only scored one point from their own kick out. Their other nine points came from turnovers. So and you know, and I know it's mad to think of it, but in terms of the what the stats are telling me, there's more progress in that uh, Galway team than there is in, or sorry, the Galway team than there is in the Mayo team. Yeah, like I, to be honest, I wasn't particularly impressed with with either team. I would agree with you. I think Gal or Mayo probably they 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 do yeah, like they they definitely looked more like the the same Mayo of the last couple of years in terms of playing a you know predominant running game, obviously. Paddy Durkin getting forward, Owen McLaughlin getting forward. And like I was surprised with Mayo to a certain extent, even they went as strong as they did, because I thought maybe they would be because of the fact they went so strong in the league in the last two years, and it came back to bite them really by the time they got to, you know, the quarterfinals of the of of the championship. But yeah, like it it, it probably is because especially Kevin McStay there, obviously his second year, you'd think he'd want to try and evolve Mayo ever so slightly. And look, obviously it's the first game in the league, so 
we'll see what happens. Maybe he's keeping his cards close to close to his chest by the time it, it gets to it gets to the championship. Yeah, maybe he's saying, you know, we we will get our first two or three games. We'll, we'll we'll get the we'll stay in Division One, and then we will try new players. Um, you know, Bolton coming back was it was obviously a massive music brilliant game to it. But maybe they'll do that. Maybe they'll get saved. Maybe they'll not carry about Kirby finishing first or second in the league. Maybe they'll take the food off the gas once they know they're safe and start to maybe build towards championship game. Maybe that is their change. That is there. Maybe they've seen Galway as an opportunity without um, a few of their key men there, like Sir Kelly and stuff, and a few of the boys who walked away after. Maybe they've seen that there was two points there for grabs, so you may as well take them right over there. But yeah, I, I just think that you know insanity is what doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. May will have to change if they want to win some. We see it with Donegal, they're changing. Kerry are trying to change theirs. Um, state of football, even Derry have adopted their game of football over the last two or three years as well. Um, so yeah, I think if you're standing still, you're going backwards, and that would be a concern for me. Mm. Is it because maybe though Mayo, like last year, they obviously beat Kerry and Clarney, they obviously got to you know, won the league and everything else, beat Galway, had some big results. So maybe like Kevin McStay, he's thinking, Do you know what, we, we are good enough, we have a good enough squad, we have a good enough depth. We believe we're already good enough. We believe we don't need to change. We just ba basically need to be better at what we're already doing. Like maybe that's what Kevin McStay is, is sort of looking at. It. Because when you do look at their team from 1 to 15, then even some players you can bring off the, the bench. I mean, you bring in the likes of Killian O'Connor on and everything else now. Like you've got, you do have a good enough squad and good enough depth there, in my opinion. Maybe not to win it, but win the All Ireland. But I think definitely to challenge and make a fist of it. Well, I mean, I know it's a, it's a cliche, but you go back to your All Blacks mantra. Whenever you're on top of your game, you change your game. You have to constantly be evolving your game in order to improve, and that's what it is. It's always when we and GAA and social media we're very quick to jump to rule changes and suggest all these rule changes before anything your any change at all. So things aren't right in Mayo. They haven't won Sam. It's as simple as that. But they 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 may have won the league. They haven't won Sam uh, throughout the length of the curse, whatever it might be, but. Or whenever it comes to any change at all, you have to ask yourself three questions. First is, what are we trying to change? The second is, how will we know that a change is improvement? And the third one is, how, how will we know that change is actually brought about an improvement? They're not big, massive things you have to do. It's small, incremental changes that go on there. Maybe Mayo do need to take an opportunity to shoot more. We touched on it shortly, but the Donegal performance, Donegal hit 25, 27 shots in that game against Cork from ridiculous angles. Mayo still played it safe. You know, Mayo, they got 20 shots off. They had a lot more possession of the ball. They were able to turn Galway over an awful lot, but at the same time, um, to give up so as many turnovers as they did, they Galway stuck with them for... Whenever Mayo got in front of them, Galway stuck with them for a lot of it. You know, the, the gap didn't really increase an awful lot, um, apart from maybe the last goal, but the, it didn't really increase an awful lot. And you can't do that. You have to constantly be evolving your game as it goes on. And, and I'm just hoping that maybe once they are safe, it'll be a chance for McStay to recoup and say, look, now let's see what we what our plans are. But maybe they've been working about something in the background that they want to keep up their seat. Maybe it's a, a clock someone hanging about there in the background that'll bring a massive change to them halfway through the league into the championship. And I hope they do because I like Mayo. I do like Mayo. I like Mayo football. Um, I watched a lot of their club football this year and it wasn't brilliant. You know, it wasn't brilliant at all. Uh, comparing to a lot of other counties out there, I think Mayo was pretty weak, actually, um, out of those top teams that are going on. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what the change has to be. You just can't do the same thing. No matter how good you are, you can't do the same thing and expect the, uh, a different result. 
Yeah, and, and I suppose looking at Galway, like, is there is there any concern around Galway? Do you think because obviously Porrick Joyce, I mean, he's been there quite a while now, um, and even when you look at Galway's record actually against Mayo, they've only beaten Mayo once in in their last eight games, and that was obviously in the championship in twenty twenty two. So their their record against Mayo about league and championship has has been quite poor uh, overall. And even, I suppose, like with Joyce, he has been there quite a while. He obviously got them to an All-Ireland final two years ago. Aside from that, I know last year they had some very good moments and obviously things sort of appeared out towards the end of the championship. But there does feel like a bit of pressure for, for Porrick Joyce and Galway to, to try and get this right. Because you feel like if he doesn't, if he isn't able to get it right this year, then maybe Galway might be looking at making a change further down the line. Yeah, and I think that, you know, he's obviously coming at yesterday with the two boys who are not able or not playing this year. Then you look at Sean Kelly, who has had, a, you know, I think it's an ankle injury. He has just a horrendous, absolute freak of an ankle injury there. Um, I think whenever you look at that, there's potential that he, he faces a mountain this year to try and get over. But the good thing is that there is plenty of room for improvement to go on in there. You know, even I talk about this idea of systems thinking. Systems, not structures. Often we use the word in GA of systems. You have your system going forward and you have your system of coming back, you know, your defensive system, your offensive system. Whenever you look at why the Galway keeper had to go long yesterday, it's because there's two cornerbacks stood there. I'm, I'm, I know where this is ball is going. It's going long. There's no point in me being involved in that game. And all those players have to understand that they are part, they're cogs and never moving, never evolving team and that means engaging your corner look at ross common what i didn't like the ross common performance but what i thought was brilliant about the ross common performance is that keeper was able to kick a ball to his corner back who was five yards away from at the edge of his dpm mark and had the confidence and trust in his players to do that that definitely wasn't there in galway you know galway gave away but they only won before they have it in front of me they only won 44 percent of their long kickouts their long kickouts weren't working for them and they still continue to do it that sort of message in there that it's not working. We're giving away far too much of the ball here. Let's trust each other and let's get on. And that that's different. You know, that's not about your tactics or your setup. That's about boys going, I can trust you to win this ball. I'm going to give it to you because we know we have to retain the possession in order to get out. I think you know, you watch a lot of the games. It is about retaining the possession. But if you watch Glenn, you watch Donny Gall, who again brilliant history, you get the shots off and then do a high press, and that gives you a chance to win the ball back. Because whenever teams go long, it, it turns from you know a hundred percent ball and uh, maybe an 80, 20, 70, 30, maybe even as far down as a 50 50. And I would be worried about the performance history from Joyce's perspective because although I think there's loads of room for improvement, maybe he didn't, maybe he can't see that, maybe he doesn't, maybe he thought I want to give out a relative history. And if he's been out there yesterday thinking, I want to give that a good rattle and didn't perform, that's a, that's a headache. That is a, a really tough position to be in. Yeah, and I suppose the, the last game, then, <laughs> won 17 points, Roscommon won 11. Uh, big, big performance from Tyrone, you have to say, especially with a lot of new players obviously coming into the side. Um, obviously, uh, Fergal Logan, Brian Dewar, I suppose, under a a bit of pressure there, but to be fair, like they, they put in a very, very good result, kicking 17 points. Um, big result for, for Toronto, I suppose, in a season where a lot of people have doubted them and a lot of people have predicted them to, to possibly get relegated. Yeah, I I don't know. By the time that game came around yesterday, it was sort of, you know, after watching um, the action that morning, just our following the action of the Antrim game, and then by the time that game came about, it was a wee bit almost, 
tired. I don't know what was going on. I didn't really enjoy the game an awful lot. And then you got to the second half and seeing Canavan coming into it and the brilliance that the man done yesterday, you know, was absolutely fantastic. Mm. I, I think that with Tyrone, they're trying to again change their style of play. And they they well, they, they weren't too they got 26 shots off yesterday. They converted over 60% of them, which is it's brilliant. You know, they're able to get those shots off and win the game pretty comfortably in, in, in the end, um, without that sort of goal, not goal from Ross Common. I would think that um, that the way the Tyrone did play, I thought it was very good. I thought that even Morgan, who now Morgan would probably be one of those keepers, a bit more so than Began at going forward, but he does hang about a wee bit behind. You've seen him yesterday, you give a ball, and he don't made me try to get forward to make himself almost like Rafferty at Armagh. You know, mm. that, that is the evolution of that keeper role. The next stage of that keeper role is to be actually an active member of that attacking team, not to be an outlet. It's give me the ball, I want to go. You see what Rafferty does from for Armagh, he gets maybe two or three points um, every other game because not from freeze, but from play. And Morgan, I think, will adopt more of that rule this year going forward to it. But to bring so many players back in, or to, to bring so many new players into the team and perform as well as they did, it was brilliant to see because I did think that Tyrone, especially after last year, were going to struggle for depth because you have like Paul Donaghy, you know, walked away. You um, Donnelly walking away this year. You had so many players who have left that panel recently. And again, back to the Monaghan, they're experienced players. You're thinking, where are these young bloods coming from? Hmm. But those young bloods came in. They played great football. They went forward. They took their opportunities. They shot, which was fantastic. It was almost like we're, we are now, we know, unlike the Mayo, we know what we've done before hasn't worked. So let's try and do something different. And they've learned from Glenn probably that the more you shoot, the more opportunity you have to score. Hmm. Yeah, like I know, I was kind of thinking this earlier as well because obviously they have lost a, a good chunk of players, as you said. Like Noel Sludden's obviously there, Ronan McNamee uh, has obviously retired, and they've lost a whole host of players over the last couple of years. But like realistically, when you actually look at it, since that All Ireland win in twenty twenty one, they haven't really done a lot. Re- like really, when you actually look at it in terms of Ulster, in terms of the league, in terms of the championship, obviously you know getting knocked out in a couple of All Ireland quarterfinals and everything else. So maybe actually these changes and these younger lads coming in is exactly what Toronto football needs. Like as you said, Kieran Daly coming in, Ben Cullen coming in, uh, Dara Canavan was superb, Rory Canavan, um, who, who seems to be you know sort of coming back, you know coming into the team a lot more now uh, alongside his brother, and he was very good. So like maybe actually some of these changes and some of these players that have opted out in the last couple of years is actually a good thing for Toronto football because it's allowed these younger lads to come in kick on make their own stay in the team and like to be fair they they did perform very well and obviously it's early days yet so you, you don't really know how the year is going to go um but so far so good you would say for, for for a good chunk of those younger lads coming in yeah i've watched a few of them playing for samaries and queens this year in the sigersons and again they, they've stood out how you know as, as good footballers boys who are willing to take shot but that also comes from the management as well you know to her and logan you know both them are in there and they know that whatever they've done over the last few away in terms of their tactics or their setup or their plan hasn't worked. So they've obviously had to create the conditions whereby go out and express yourself and enjoy your football and don't overthink it. And, you know, the quicker you can get the ball at the pitch and have a, a pop shot. Now, some of those scores from Canavan yesterday were fantastic. They were great. You know, I think that he's he's in for a big year. 
two years ago, he done a wee bit more of it last year, but two years ago, he would have been looking for a pair off the shoulder who's maybe in a better position to give that ball to. He's taken it upon himself. He knows now that he is the the, the kingpin in that forward, and he has to ease his, not only as Tyrone, um, uh, weight of Tyrone on his shoulders, but he's also got the expectations of who his dad is on top of him as well, and he has to live up to that, whether they like it or not, and he has every opportunity to do so, because for a small, wary, you know, fella, some of the scores he takes are second on and for Tame's history, it was very reminiscent of what his dad used to do, you know, in yeah. that full forward lane, and he has the potential to do that, and if he's, if he's given the opportunity to take the risk as a spectator, we're in for a treat this year. You know, we are in for a treat. Um, if he's given the opportunity to, if you see it, have a go. Yeah, Gavin was saying here earlier, Roscommon were poor. It was a great chance for Cox, Jeremy and Donny to prove themselves, but they failed one man up for Throne. A great time, a great time to play Roscommon without Ulton, Ender, Ben O'Carroll and Stack. Yeah, obviously Roscommon were missing a good few players. In terms of Roscommon, like, I mean, obviously missing a good chunk of players. Again, the Smith is such a influential player for this Roscommon team. So, obviously, not having him was was significant as well. Like, obviously, they were playing against 14 men for pretty much the entirety of the second half. So, you'd imagine they'd be a little bit disappointed at the same time that they didn't get closer to Tyrone. I know they had that goal ruled out, obviously, towards the end, which was a little bit controversial as well. But what, what was your take on how Roscommon got on? Yeah, I made a man. He was waiting on or he was waiting on Ross coming taxing me beforehand, saying, "What do you reckon?" I said, "I can't see why Tyrone are such heavy favourites for it." Um, I thought that you know, even with those changes, Ross Common would have been doing rightly. They Ross Common to me, I, I took a lot of heart from again going back to the kick out that Ross Common was doing. Nine times out of ten, that keeper doesn't kick that kick out to the cornerback because he knows he's stood under pressure, but. The keeper did do it, and that to me was fantastic. You know, they won, they had 17 short kickouts and they won every one of them, despite it being a high Tyrone press. That's that to me is a measure of good football within the team. Nobody panicked. You were able to kick a ball to your number two or number four, who traditionally maybe aren't strong football players. You were able to give them that ball to player, and then the keeper was an option. They really get the ball out. They still hit 22 shots. You know, they, they were still high, they were well over what Galway hit. Um, Galway and Mayo both had 20 shots, Ross Common in their defeat still um got 22 shots off their conversion rate wasn't great you know what was a 50 55 percent up in there to it um obviously with players coming back like I said smith and stuff coming back that that's going to improve their their shot potential their shot conversion rate will improve i wouldn't be overly worried if i was a ross common supporter did they they play poorly they didn't come out in the second half it wasn't a bad first half from them the first half they were you know they were grand but they didn't come out in the second half until sort of the last five minutes then made a real fist of it. They managed to, when out of their own kickout, was it? They managed to get, um, it was 11 shots. So they won, they won something like um, 24 shots and they managed to get 11 shots out, which isn't great. You should be getting a lot more out of that. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be overly worried. I think out of the Connick counties, Ross Common are better placed than my own Galway. Hmm. And you, you bring like their, their good players, their, their top players back into that team. Yeah, they'll improve. They will improve. I don't know whether there's an all Ireland in them. I do think they'll win Connick this year, but I don't know whether there's an all Ireland in them. The yeah. only thing that I, I really don't like about Ross Common is going to be a sound of pain for. They're, they're tame in terms of their slow. They're tames in terms of the, the amount of time they spend on the ball. They have a real bad habit. And we've seen it last year against Dublin. Whenever they held onto that ball for what was it, 
three, four minutes. That is part of their game. And out of all the teams that out of the five games that were on TV, out of all those teams, the average time on which Ross Common were on the ball, I have in front of me here, it took them on average about one minute and twelve seconds to score their points. All their, you know, give or take that's the amount of time it took. Whenever you compare that to the likes of Donegal, who were around about the 40 seconds, and yes, it's different caliber you're marking, but their transition was quick and fast and, and was really um explosive. Ross Common do have a habit of overplaying the ball and not getting up that pitch quick enough. That would be my only concern, really, from, from yesterday. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Dublin was great. He was saying Tyrone should have had 15 men. Yeah, it was a, it was a very harsh uh, sending off, in, in my opinion. I mean, it looked like he, he threw a like he threw a punch, but I don't know. I didn't really see it slowed down, so it didn't really look like anything connected as such. But what was your, what was your take? The foul, I mean, you know, that, that tackle he made, that was never a red card, John. Well, that was never a red card, but I don't think it was for that. I don't think TG Cacker showed the, the bit of a scrump or scruffle after, but apparently, you know, there was a couple of potential digs through that maybe didn't land or whatever it might be. And I think that's what it's for, less of the tackle. Um, I think yesterday, you know, his reaction to that referee's got that wrong. But as soon as that happened, you did see Ross Common and Sean Pairs coming in together, and it looked like it was going to be a wee bit of a handbags. And then the camera cut away to the replay of the actual tackle whenever the red card came out. Um, and I think there's something happened that went off off camera for that. It'd be interesting to see. They're obviously going to appeal it, but it'd be interesting to see whether it does get overturned. I haven't seen anything since the leg game yesterday, like, so I don't know. Yeah, I remember looking at it live, all right, and they showed a bit of a scuffle after, and it was just hard. It was just like a couple of lads like holding each other. It was one of them where it was like, if you're going to send off... Con Kilpatrick, yeah, then have to send off other players. It was just a bit of a tricky one, but yeah, it is very hard in them scenarios for referees and officials and everything else to actually see the whole the, the whole incident. Um, in fairness, moving on to Division Two, starting with Donegal, this was a huge win for them versus Cork, one twenty to two six, um, an eleven point victory for Donegal, uh, one of the biggest winners of the weekend, alongside Leitrim in terms of uh, margin of victory. And to be fair to Donegal. You know, they're playing a good team in Cork as well. I think most people think Cork will be up there or there, thereabouts in Division 2, uh, maybe before this game was was played and, and maybe still after. But, yeah, look, it was uh, one hell of a performance for Donegal. You look at some of the results they put up in pre-season and in terms of scoring-wise, like they're, they're racking up some amount of scores and some score lines at the minute for, for Jim McGuinness upon his return. Yeah, I say they they they've almost adopted, and people are saying you know Jim McGinnis's new tactic. Um, it's actually Glenn. You know Glenn have been doing this for for the throughout all the the club championship. It's shoot and shoot often. You know now, Can Donegal had twenty seven shots yesterday. Their conversion rate was seventy eight percent. They may never hit that again. You know they may hit twenty seven shots next time and only get fifty percent of those. Glenn's average is around about 25, 26 shots a game, but they don't tend to get over 50% of conversion. So you probably would expect a county team to get a better conversion rate. But I think the Cork manager came out often and says, look, I'm not making excuses, but there was definitely no wind in the second half or it, it died down. And that is evident whenever you look at the data that was there. You know, the Donegal's, the number of shots didn't dip in the second half. They kept it up there. I think they had one less shot in the second half in the first half, which would imply that the weather conditions did change. But Cork were, Cork were disaster. Cork were horrible. You know, um, I think the referee got a bit sorry for Cork after the first 15 minutes of those kickouts. The keeper, albeit, you know, it was his debut um, in the league. 
But that kick out going to the left-hand side, out every time. I think he kicked three out of the top and then on the fourth one, the referee blew for a Donegal pushing it back or a Donegal and incorporate able to, to win that kick out. But it doesn't fall just onto the keeper. Again, you look at what the Cork setup was. The cornerbacks, the fullback, weren't giving them an option. He had no option. There was one time the cornerback stood on the say on the edge of the D with his sort of hands down looking. It's going left. The other cornerback stood away out on the edge of the 21 in the sideline with Donny Gall forward inside him. That keeper's never he's not part of the game. You know, he's not giving the keeper an option there. Particularly hmm. for the Ross Common book. Trust your players. You know that after two or three of them, they're not working. Donny Cork tried to do it over and over and over again. Donegal weren't perfect. You know, Cork did get inside in the first half. They got inside their 21, I think, 11 times. So it wasn't, and that was against a very strong wind. Five of them were turned over within the 21. I think they got one, two, or one, three from inside the 21 as well. So it wasn't a perfect defensive display from um, Donegal. But what it was was a very good high press and i mean it's definitely setting out their stall for what they're going to do this year and they will fly that in division two they'll do really well in division two will it stand up and come ulster whenever they have to meet maybe tyrone a dairy um i don't think so i don't think that they're at that level of all ireland or even ulster competition yet i don't think it's there i think that they could only be what was in front of them yesterday but cork were very very poor if cork went and played they got the rest of the the league, Cork will end up in Division 3. There's no doubt about it. You know, for their expectation of moving up into Division 1 this year, wasn't there at all. They were horrendous yesterday and they had no other game plan. They're far too one-dimensional in their play and it didn't work for them throughout the game. Yeah, like, it was, I, I did expect Donegal to win this game but to beat them by 11 points, like, it was an absolute, absolute hammering um, in, in fairness, like, for, for, for an opening game and, yeah, like, I mean, for, for Donegal, I was looking at it there, like, 12 different scores in total. And I didn't watch the game live. I only caught the, the highlights on, on, the, on the highlights show last night on the Sunday game. And Ushin Gallen, like, looking at it there and score, Bio, he didn't even feature. He didn't even play. He didn't even come off the bench. So, like, he was their top scorer throughout preseason. So, like, they have some amount of, of wealth and options. And as you said... You know, two sides to every story. Cork were, were very poor as well, and that probably played a part in maybe how good Donegal looked. But at the same time, with how strong Donegal are looking, like they, it, it's early days, all right, and you don't want to get too carried away or anything. You know, we all say this at the start of the league. You, you, you don't know how it's going to look when it comes to, to the championship and everything else. But considering how Donegal looked, you know, around this time last year, coincidentally, they beat Kerry actually in the opening day of the league. But when you look at Donegal overall in terms of, where they were in the league um, in, in 2023 and how they look now. It's night and day what Jim McGuinness has done. And it's, you know, he's, he's only there, what, a couple of months. Yeah, everything everything that could go wrong for Donegal as a county went wrong last year. You know, their players out, you know, Paddy McBeardy scored what, one six just You know, he, he's back in. Um, Donegal were clearly told you to shoot and shoot often, you know, especially in the first half with that win, take your chance and, and give it a go. I think that that culture, that that mentality, that the intensity that Jim McGuinness brings, the you only have to listen to maybe like say Carl Lacey whenever he was looking after Kilku, even as early back as October time, he was saying about the buzz about Donegal. You know, it's infectious. You know, then there's expectations there. I do think Donegal are back, but I don't think there's I don't I still don't think they're the top three teams in, in Ulster. Um, I think they're still hovering about where they were last year. But remember, they put a fight up against Derry last year in their last game. Um, they they done really well against Derry. So, McGinnis will, will get them back. Could they win Ulster this year? 
I don't know. I I just thought that Cork were horrendous yesterday. I thought Cork was so so poor yesterday mm-hmm. that although I do think Donegal and statistically speaking they had the best performance out of the weekend. Cork were just awful. You know, Cork had I, I was looking at Cork had sixteen long shorts. They only won seven of them. I mean, if you're losing your long shorts, why would you go long? They only actually went short whenever Donegal dropped off and we bit. But you know, different day, different. You know, some of those. I was watching, following someone on Twitter, um, Stephen O'Meara, I think it is, and he was saying that the absolutely audacity of Donegal to shoot from wherever they shot for was completely chaotic. Chaos is good. Chaos is brilliant. You don't know what the expecting or comes from chaos, and the more chaotic a game is, the less predictable it is, and that's what Donegal need to do. That's what Carrier are trying to do. That's what Derry have been doing. That's what Glenn. Glenn have set the, the bar for it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a that's a game that they play. Um, and it's it's thankfully it's the evolution of football. You know, I, I told you earlier on about the um the slowness in Ross Commons play, but just to, to give you this, the average um point, the average phase of play that ended in a point for Donegal was fifty seconds. You know, mm-hmm. compare that with your seventy-two seconds off Ross Common. Um they're always and the conditions were maybe a wee bit better for in Oma than what they were in um Bali Buffet, but they still they still had to get them off. And even their the wage they were hitting, it was 36 seconds was the average time for a wage to be hit too. So that that tells you that they're getting from A to B in a very, very quick space of time. And that is to stop these teams getting so many bodies back behind the ball and set up that they, they have to shoot from impossible angles. I have to try and break down defences. So, yeah, Jim McGinnis has obviously learned from what's going on. He's kept his eyes open to club football and went, that's what's working. Let's bring him in at Donegal and bring it up a level. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, Donegal looking looking very, very good in fairness. And certainly from a Cork perspective, like definitely, definitely worrying times a little bit after after that performance. Still a, a long way to go in the league, but, but certainly I think a lot of people look to Cork as promotion hopefuls and, and maybe not so much after uh, after that performance. Another side that's hoping to get promoted or hoping to be there thereabouts is Armagh, and they just about got over the line in the end against Leo, 12 points to 11. A lot of people, including me, would have uh, predicted Armagh to win this fairly comfortable enough, uh, given that Leo, obviously, a new manager coming in and injured Brennan and everything else, losing Mickey Hart. Um, but fair play to Leo. Look, I remember I was at the Dublin game when this match was going on, but I was keeping an eye on score below and I think after about 20 minutes it allowed were like five five points to zero up or four points to zero up and you're thinking what on earth is uh is is going on at the athletic grounds it was it was a little bit of a bizarre scoreline but look fair play to where I'm at they dug deep they got the win and and look I suppose at this stage of the season in division two like I noticed with, with Dublin last year we had some performances like this where we were thinking what on earth is going on against the likes of Clare and Kildare on the opening day and you just find a way to win and look that's it you know get the win box it off, moving on to the next game. And any worry about Armagh looking looking at that result though at the same time? No, not really. Um and I think it, it's it's the opposite from last year. They play poorly on Saturday and got away with a point win or a one point win. They played brilliant last year and could be a bad point in so many games. You know, and, and that's I think it's always a saying of a good team that if you can play badly and still come out with a win. They was very impressed with Louis. They thought Louis were, were excellent. Um, their organisation, how they play football, um, especially underneath their brand new. I think that they, they I think they'll be okay. Um, I think that they have come on again this year, and it was a good marker to lay down. Stephen Campbell coming back, or was a difference 
uh, for Armagh, he definitely came in and studied the ship and, and made the difference to it as well. But yeah, Armagh, the win by a point, if they win by a point and get in, every, in all their games, they get promoted in Division 1. They'll be happy if they win all their games by a point without playing well in Ulster. They'll be happy as well. But there's still a few more players to come back in there. You know, they still got the only come back in. Um, they've still got more players to add to that team. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe come the business end, they have an easy enough from the Ulster Championship. They'll not worry about too much on that. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be concerned as as an Armagh fan. I, I think Armagh will be okay. Hmm. But the ruthless Armagh fans are absolutely ruthless. They 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 um they're great support. Um, a lot of them on I follow a lot of them on Twitter. My good conversations on Twitter. I do love Armagh football, and I think that if you look at McGinney, even how he lined out in the McKenna Cup, he did, he sent an under twenty team and an under twenty manager up to Donegal for the first game of the McKenna Cup. He um. He played a wee bit of a stronger team in their second game, but whereas you had Donegal playing hard, aggressive, Derry playing strong teams, Tyrone playing strong teams, even Down playing their strongest team, uh, one of their strongest teams possible in the Canada Cup. This is maybe Armagh's hangover. You know, get the first one out of the way and we'll get better after that. And that's what a lot of the Armagh fans will be hoping for. Yeah, it feels like Armagh playing the the long game a little bit. You know, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, as they say, and. Um, a few comments here about Loud. Gavin was saying it was some game regret relegating Loud. They could be, uh, they could be mid table. They could be. Uh, I think we might have underestimated Loud um, a bit. Well, that was the thing. I think Jerry Brennan coming in, he was never going to change that much, really, was he? And uh, like in fairness, like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And from looking at Loud, from looking at Jerry Brennan, at the end of the day, they finished third last year. You know, so it wasn't like they just about stayed up. So. Think you have to give a credit to a lot of the players and i think a lot of them loud players as well will be looking at it and thinking you know mickey hart left us he jumped ship after he said he was going to stay so they'll want to go out and prove a point and uh, and sort of show that do you know what maybe we are better w w without mickey hart you know yeah and sometimes you have you need a chip on your shoulder you know you do need a wee chip on your shoulder to get those performances week in week out and I, if i was a cork fan a Kildare fan um i would be very worried because i would no longer see Lose as that team that are going to drop down in Division Three. You know, you almost have the one that's ticked off straight away. I would see Lloyd potentially as an established. You know, if they get over this year, they're definitely an established um, Division Two team. And maybe that chip on their shoulder and that willingness to go the extra wee bit to prove a point is the difference between them and your Corks or Kildare's. All I think a Cork and Kildare are potentially maybe better football teams or have bigger numbers or whatever you, you want to call it. Sometimes if you you have your back against the wall and you need a fight for something. It shows, and Loud clearly need to fight for something. Um, even you know, it was it was hurtful, the way it hurt the county and hard. Mickey Hart left, and that's not no disrespect to Mickey Hart. It's well publicised. You know, even the redig at the the AGM of, and here's our management expenses. You know, for a county to come out and say that, um, here's what our hundred grand was, what we cost for a management team. You know, that that is a, a dig, and you're not over that. And they will definitely be wanting to prove a point this year that. No, it is bigger than Mickey Hart. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And and speaking of new managers coming in, Raymond Gallagher, what a win this was. Uh, away to away to Kildare. I think I actually did predict this one as well. So one of the rare predictions I got right at the weekend. But yeah, look, some some result for for Cavan and fairness. And and and, and you know, like the main reason why I predicted this was not necessarily at and too much got to do with Cavan. It's just more I've seen Kildare so much through the years to know that. This is the type of the game that that they lose, and I don't know how many times I've seen them 
lose these lose these type of games. But look, fair play to to Cavan, like new manager Raymond Gallagher, um, coming up obviously from you know Division Four, Three, and then obviously back to Two. Um, you know, the last thing they'd want is to get dragged into a relegation battle and find themselves back in Division Three again. So yeah, this was a huge uh, huge result for Cavan. Yeah, and as I said earlier on, you know, Cavan. Cavan aren't the Division 14, they're not a Division 3 team, and they never were. Even whenever they were bad, they weren't, you know, just got a, a run of unfortunate results that brought them down. Cavan are a proud football county with, you know, a lot of tradition in there, a lot of Ulster Championships in there as well. And they have the ability. I mean, they won Ulster Championship, albeit in COVID years, so it's almost comes with these inverted brackets. brackets. But you have um, the year that they won it, they were in Division 4. You know, Division 14 winning Ulster. So it always showed you they had the potential to win. So go down to Kildare, maybe isn't the biggest shock if you're looking at it, but to think of the Division 3 teams coming in, going away from home in their first game, I think the, the whole Kildare pen and, and Carlo will be it'll be hard for them. You know, it'll be, it'll be a hard route from the travel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the whole new bridge or nowhere. You know, they're, every one of their games has to be now an away fixture, and you don't make the same noise. You don't have the same appetite for a venue outside of your home ground that you would. You know, I was talking to Yarn and says the biggest thing for Antrim this year is that they have four home fixtures. Four home fixtures in the heart of West Belfast and a, a pitch that your change rooms are less than 20, less than five yards away from the pitch. You know, where the people can make noise, you're right on the edge and anything. That sort of intensity that brings players to it. You can bet your back say there'd be a lot of Kildare player, Kildare fans who maybe if it's in Kildare, they'll probably say, oh, she'll never cross here for 20 minutes and watch this game. If it's down in Cardiff, they'll go, nah, I'll come in or down today. I'll wait till the better weather or so. And that changes the game. And it'll make it hard for Kildare this year. It will make it hard for Kildare this year. And Kildare are, they're so inconsistent. They're so inconsistent. Mm. Yeah, like, and that obviously, you know, under 20 All-Ireland champions last year as well. Like, you'd, you'd expect, hopefully, like some younger lads to make the, to make, to make the breakthrough at some point. But... Should they have even maybe tried to, to play their football in, in Crow Park? I know there's, there's often a bit of a you know a, a touchiness with Crow Park and and Glen Ryan and everything else. But they, this game was originally actually fixed for for Crow Park. It was it was supposed to have been a double header with the Dublin and Monaghan game, and then obviously uh, got switched to the Carlo. So do you think maybe Kildare could have looked to play in Crow Park? Like they would have played there quite a lot. To be fair, they'd have a lot of familiarity with the pitch, and even for supporters as well. It's actually. You know, a lot of them already live in Dublin, so it's actually not that far to travel. So, um, could Kildare maybe have looked to have played in Crow Park instead of Carlo, or is or, or is it a case that they're looking at trying to keep you know a smaller pitch? Maybe maybe that's what they want. In fairness, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it probably goes into a lot of you know what what is the cost to to put a game on a Crow Park compared to somewhere else? Um, are they going to double up whenever Dublin are playing, or what? What can the pitch? You know, actually take by team you take in the Dublin teams, um the, the Dublin hurling team, you know, whatever the infrastructures are might be. Yeah, I would wonder, you know, I don't know the Kildare close enough, but would they is there nowhere else, even if it's a smaller venue in Kildare that can hold this? Because even Kerrigan Park, Kerrigan Park doesn't hold ten thousand people. I think Kerrigan Hard Park holds three thousand or something like that. Um and a lot of it is standing. So uh, I, I, even for the risk, I mean, they're talking about it having an open very, you know, within this year, I think it is. Um, if that is the case, then for the latter stages of the club championship, I think they're talking about opening it up. Why not go and take the hit, financial hit, and bring it to a club ground in Kildare? Maybe there is none there, but you look at it. I was in Castlevania the other week, and they have a cracking club facility, big stand in their club facility, um, that would fit you know, a huge crowd into it. 
But if you're taking a hit and run with three thousand or two and a half thousand fans, it'll it's still your home. You know, those players will know that more so than what they'll know anywhere else in the country. Mm. Yeah, I was surprised nearly they didn't even look at Minute University even and, and look at something like that and maybe um, you know, building onto the pitch they had there or something, and like, yeah, like just just expanding the pitch out and and building, you know, a couple of stands here and there just to sort of tie them over. Um, Adam had to do it for the Ulster Championship, wasn't that too long? Or maybe it was the the Tulsa Cup. They St John's the club at Craigan Park is. They had to go on a rack temporary stands for. You know, I've seen some on Twitter the other week where you can get temporary stands of a couple of couple of thousand with toilets and stuff in them as well. So, yeah, I just think it's. They're probably thinking, let's get this year out of the way. Let's get our home built and haven't thought the, the full process of it. But yeah, I think that especially you, you're not talking, you're talking about maybe teams here. It's not like a Belfast where you have a pitch surrounded by, but like Dublin as well, maybe you know, you have a pitch, a wee bit of a path, and then a complete housing estate. You know, a lot of those clubs in, in Kildare will be rural clubs. They will have fields and fields beside them. Um, so there's always potential to put some temporary up in there. Maybe they just didn't think of it as an option at that time. Maybe, you know, we're clutching straws here. Maybe it'll not have any impact on them. Maybe they will stay up in Division 2. Maybe they may even push for Division 1 um, once they get that weekend over them. But I can't see it. I'd be concerned about them this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they will stay up. But in terms of maybe getting promoted, I think... Probably, probably won't happen. But um, Mead, twelve points for Mana. Well, nine was the other game in uh, Division Two for Mana. Probably a little bit unlucky, maybe not to not to have come away with this win. They were leading for for the majority, and then Mead um, scored a couple of couple of late scores to to force the draw. Interesting one, like a conflicting, I suppose, opinions about Mead of people I've spoke to, like a good few people thinking they could be up there, you know, dark horse this year, challenging for promotion. Again, I've never been hugely convinced by by Meade, to be honest with you. Um, but what what's been your take on Meade? And ultimately, I suppose a, a result that I think Fermanagh would be fairly happy to to put in a performance like this. But at the same time, I think they'd be a little bit disappointed they didn't get the win. Yeah, like watching Fermanagh and Mechanic Cup and the 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 size of their squad and the says you know they have a different. They have a different conundrum than most counties in the fact that they only have a very limited amount of senior football teams, um, a very limited amount of Gaelic teams in there. So their population is minute. So even for them to be playing their trade in Division 2 is massive. To go to a place like Meath and get a result, get a draw, maybe shoot a got a win, is absolutely huge. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that Meath are up in near Division 1 standards yet. You, know, you watch them in the latter stages of the Tatsum Cup. Antrim pushed them a good bit. Down, push them even further again. I think they went a margin in both was maybe what two points in the end. Um, and down and Antrim are nowhere near division one standards of football, you know. So I would say that Maeve they do have good under 20 teams coming through, they do have good players coming through. Again, if they're I don't think they're up near challenging Dublin yet for that. The fact that Loud could stay in division two and Maeve is good for Leinster football that, that they're able to stay up in there until there as well. But they need to solidify themselves as a solid, no-risk Division Two team and get young players coming through. And again, they do have the potential. Their young lad, Gray, coming through, absolute beast of a fella. Um, big year for them. The only thing is, saying last year with Westmead and when the Tatsun Cup in 2022 and then done absolutely nothing in the league. So maybe there could be a bit of a bounce factor there. Maybe there could be a bit of a hangover. Um I don't know, again, clutching a straw score, but it'd be interesting to see what comes out of it. 
Yeah. But look out there, Cal, you, you can kill him, is it? I can never say his name. He's watching oh, that. Yeah. Oh, I can never say it. Absolute baller. What a crap. Yeah, football. Very good player, yeah. An athlete. Love watching him play football. He's class. I would travel down to Vermont just to watch him. He's, he's a great footballer. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he is in fairness. And, and Owen Frayne actually mm-hmm. did a, a, a very decent game for for uh for me in fairness cabin says as a minute student i don't know about the idea there's not a single stand or terrace there and it's uh it's very mucky yeah maybe not maybe not but, <laughs> but look, you know sometimes you have to think outside the box ever ever so slightly but look that at the end of the day that's not why there's a reason why i'm not the man you know that's that's in charge of putting you know of, of uh, logistics and 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 all these uh and all these other things in fairness Great result for, for Antrim in Division 3. They beat Limerick 214 to uh, to 2-7. Seven, seven points victory. Um, high scoring enough as well. So, yeah, considering Limerick coming down to Division 2 or coming down from Division 2 last year, you never quite know when teams are coming down, you know, what kind of an effect it's it's going to have. But, yeah, huge result for uh, for Andy McEntee's men. Yeah, great start. Two points on the road. You're always going to take those. Um, as I say, they're... <sighs> A great win. There's probably some a lot of cause for concern in terms of you. Know, why did they wait to the 69th minute to make a sub? You know, if you're they're leading by, I think it was seven at one stage, um, kind of the second half, and all of a sudden they're back to within a point. At what point do you, you think about making changes? Does Andy have enough faith in the players that are in that panel to look around and say he can come on and make a difference? You know, after 45 minutes, after 50 minutes, ever teams can do um start late uh, or start to make their changes to finish the game off really well but even whenever i had to take a lot of you know praise from the fact that the boys you know get for Limerick to get within a point to him with the wind you could only, last year under would have been done under would have stepped down for five or ten minutes and took their feet off the gas and that would have went away in the other way but for the rally and come back again is really really good i just i would be concerned that they just dip far too often during games. You know, you see in the Tatsun Cup last year, that period after half time against Meade was the winning of the game. Whenever they stopped breaking lanes and stopped going forward, Meade got on top. They came back in the last 15 minutes of the game and pushed it even closer again. But yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Um, I have to be happy with them, but I think that they need to get players back. They need to get Nal Burns, who started, I think he was centre half forward, needs to be pushed up into the corner. You know, he, he's. There's no better man in Antrim for a short. Once a ball comes into him, he can shoot on her pin. You know, he's, he's a great footballer. He's wasted whenever he's out in half forward because he gets dragged back in the midfield and in the half back. You know, he's a, he's a sharp shooter. He needs to be up in there with Dominic McEnhill. Um, young lad, uh, Adam Lockburn is out injured. Kevin Small is out injured. Connor Stewart's out injured. Um, there, there are players there that are not playing for injury reasons. And I think when you're coming up against Down and Westmead in particular, you're going to need those players or more players than what you had the other day. But yeah, can't complain. Can't complain. I'm just looking for faults here. I'm just clutching the straws thinking, you know, why would you wait the 16th minute to make a change? Um, that would just maybe linger in my head. But yeah, brilliant to get a result on the roof. Yeah, interesting. All right. Yeah. Like when Andy McAtee was in charge of Mead, all right, it was definitely a few times you would see Mead sort of go through large parts w- without scoring. I remember a couple of Leinster finals where, you know, Mead only scored like like three or four points in the opening 60 minutes or or, or whatever. So um, it is interesting that those trends are, are sort of carrying over to to Antrim a little bit as well. West Mead, great result for them against Offaly, 111 to 10 points. Obviously, um, 
Midlands derby and, and everything else. And I saw uh, Connor McKenna was tweeting, um, not to throw on football or the, the, the journalist. I do always have to clarify that just in case, you know, someone thinks it's the, it's the other He's Connor McKenna. Yeah, but uh, but he, I think he was tweeting awfully having beaten Westmead in a meaningful game since 2006. Um, so that goes to show like Westmead's record against Offaly. And to be fair, Westmead, like considering the talent that they have, you think surely they're, they're going to get out of the division this year. Yeah, and you look at I me, mean, I know they done they absolutely flopped last year in the league, but look what they've done in the championship. You know, they play Tyrone Armagh, um Mayo, was it? Not sure. Mm-hmm. But that they, they pushed those teams. They they were unlucky not to get out of that group last year. You know, that's a that's a caliber, especially their forward lane. You know, Mead had a very, very strong forward lane. They can't get scores, they can't take scores, um, to go away and, and beat awfully away from uh away from home. Again, is massive to get. And you think about the teams I'm looking at promotion this year in 2002, Andrew Down and Westmead. All three of them got points on the road this year. The only thing is that, you know, and that's that's not easy to do, especially in your first game, because you never really know where you're sitting at for. But Westmead, I think, will do really well this year. And I could see them. I could see it being between Nemes and Down who join Antrim in Division 2 next year. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. There we go. Yeah, looking at looking at the other two games, it was a uh, clear nine points. Sligo won five. Bit of a feisty game this one. Actually, Sligo finished the game with uh, with thirteen men. A couple of late points for for Clare to got them over the line in that one and down. Obviously beating Wicklow eighteen points to uh, to thirteen. So good start for for Connor Laverty's men and I suppose good return for Clare back down to Division Three, even with all the players that they lost. Yeah, the, I didn't see the clear and Sligo game. The only thing that would concern me would be the, the amount of scores and that, you know, not nine. Yeah, very low score. Yeah, you know, yeah one eight or one seven. That that would be a concern for me, especially if you think that there would have been a big breeze down there too. It's no different from what was in Limerick um, or even in Donegal at that time. So I think that those teams, they'll be the teams that are fighting for the promotion. You know, you can't, there's no, you can, you can cover it up whatever way you want. I listened to Oshin, um McConville earlier on on the, the Thomas Dublock podcast. He said he was impressed, you know, from the ticket. Yes, Clare, Clare are at risk of going down in Division Four. There's no doubt about it, and they have to stay up into Division Three and, and recoup and restructure after that. With down to get 18 points on the road is really, really good. Um, they Wicklow were apparently listened to. It, it seemed to be that Wicklow were causing a lot of their own mistakes. Had a couple of good goal opportunities there in the first half, didn't take them. Um, I think McCombell says that Division Three is a lot more unforgiving than what division four might be which you would come to expect but 18 points on the road would be really good um surprising didn't get a goal in there because down play the east got them playing a wee bit like tried to get them playing a lot like kilku last year but certainly you'd see them even against Derry this year in the mechanic cup was very kilku yes you know there was players running from all sorts of angles um but 18 points in any game is, is a great return for it as well mm, no absolutely yeah like definitely yeah a great result there from a from a down perspective, and as you said, like you, you definitely expect them to be there thereabouts in the uh, in the promotion race. Looking at some Division Four games, uh, great results for Leash against Longford. I suppose two sides you'd imagine that would be competing for for promotion in Division Four, and Justin McNulty back uh, for Leash. Interesting enough, the Leash goalkeeper I've seen scored five points uh, at the weekend, and three of which were from play. So that's um, I suppose more modern day goalkeeping there and yeah great result for Leash and Justin McNulty back at the helm 
Yeah, and it shows you that role that the keeper has. You know, the keeper plays a third midfielder. You know, um, it wasn't that he was that pivot role of dropping back. We're talking about it earlier on and trying to make those that little passes. It's that Rafferty style of looking for opportunities to score. Sorry, saying you, you scored not one every five games from play, but you're you're maybe converting your keeper for freeze. But to get for at least to get a result then, or it's brilliant, or get a result in the first game, brilliant. I know they were touted for promotion last year. It didn't happen for them. They were abysmal come um, the Tadsham Cup. Things weren't right for them at all, but they have enough talent and ability to get up into Division 3. Longford did put in a very strong performance against the second-string Dublin team just a, a week or so ago, two weeks ago. But, yeah, it, it'd be, it shows you where Lisa's mentality is. They've obviously taken last year's embarrassment against Down to heart, and rightly so. Um, and they, they've recouped, and McNulty's got a good win in there. I mean, he's had loads of time on his hands because he's not doing anything in Stormont, so loads and loads mm. of time. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Wexford, uh, good win for them away to to, to London, one thirteen to to one nine. Um, yeah, look, I mean, to be fair to London, like they gave a a good fist of it. Uh, Wexford, you don't know what you're going to get at the best of times, but uh, good results for for them. Carlo, obviously, good result for them away against uh, Tipperary, three ten to one fourteen. I suppose it does show that Tipperary are probably back to to this level yeah. now. Unfortunately, like the fact that I think Carlo. You know, I've been mainstays in Division Four for a couple of years now, and you know, Tipperary unfortunately have lost a, a good chunk of players over the last few years. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate for Tipperary, especially after winning Munster not so long ago, um, the COVID year as well, where things maybe shouldn't be read too much into. But yeah, it's sad to see because they work so hard to get up into the top table in Division Two, and they're playing really good football up in there as well. For London, I thought London would have had Wexford just because of the unpredictability that is Wexford themselves. Um, and London I getting a good be, well, yeah. I thought London getting a good be run in that um, the sort of the comic league getting a win over Mayo was it? Um, I thought that they were going to do pretty well out of it. But yeah, it's just just shows you the good thing is you know there's no relegations in Division Four, but that makes every one of them teams more willing to try and fight for promotion and try and get over. But after the second game in Division Four, it's almost like a, a not that the league's over, but you know who's going up and you know who's going down. Especially now, whenever you have your workload and your slag goes out of there, at least you're going up. And I, you know, it's who else joins them. I can't see it being Longford. I think Longford will get that. That's their hard game out of the way. And they'll get up into it. I can't see Carlo or Tipperary going up. Um, I don't think Waxford have the consistency to get that. Yeah, I suppose one team that will definitely be in the conversation is... Leitrim two seventeen to to one five probably not great luck if uh, if you're a Waterford fan but certainly Leitrim very very good performance and Keane was saying here great win for Leitrim a game we needed to win and which we won well game two against London in Carrick on Shannon is, uh, is is definitely winnable yeah I suppose for Leitrim like after all the stick they took after losing to New York last year and then the Talchin Cup was I suppose very poor as well so to get a win was the most important thing but to put up a score like that. Absolutely huge. Um, and I know Waterford have had a huge turnover of players uh, from last season as well. So probably not a great look for them, but fair play to Leitrim. Yeah, and look, if you're not beating Waterford, um, with all due respect to them, we know what, what they expect from your playing Waterford. I watched Leitrim last year in Currigan Park and I was speaking to Andy Arthur. Um, I think it's really good that you know that the, some of their play actually last year was actually really good in Currigan Park. They just didn't get the scores they maybe overplayed at times though and Mickey Graham obviously getting in there he's seen something mm-hmm. there's obviously potential within the county to improve I know Mickey looks after club or did look after club team down there I don't know if he's still there this year but 
you it, it's obviously it could be by Andy Moore to go and get the ex cabin manager and bring him in. He will bring them on leaps and bounds, and that they they are the the also runners. You know, I think that the leash and Emmons will. You know, I think leash. I think leash will go up. I think leash are they're too much to lose if they don't go up this year. But um, out of the other teams, I forgot about Leeds, but I think they're well placed to do it. I, you know, massive score. Would you read into it an awful lot? I don't know, but it's hard for me to say that the performance wasn't brilliant because I didn't see the game. The score line would tell you that they played emphatically. So, hmm. yeah, David was saying here, Keith Byrne, not a big loss with with Rooney. Uh, yeah, Dara Rooney was uh, scored ten points in the game. So, absolutely, yeah. Look, I, th- I think you definitely have to put Leitrim in the in the conversation for Division Four. Terms of uh, moment of the week and player of the week, if you have to choose two from uh, from all the games, obviously a lot to a lot to choose from, a lot to remember. But what would you lean towards? Um, I think you know, I think Dar Can- or Canavan stood out in terms of his play. Hmm. I I did like you know whenever he took the game to Ross Common, he, he put it in and he really done well. I think that Bowling coming back for Mayo after being dropped last year and playing so well um, against Galway. Was a great shout to him too. Um, I think in terms of you know Paddy McBeary to come back in to score one six is brilliant. Dominic McIntyre to score one six for Antrim to get them over the line is really really good too. Um, if I had to go with it, I would say McBeary just from a Donegal perspective. Donegal just impressed me. Enjoy watching him yesterday. I think that where they were shooting from, the way in which they played, and McBeary and the passion he brought. You know, camera zoomed in on him a couple of times, and you could just tell he was really enjoying his football. You know, he's really loving yesterday playing in the, in the conditions. And I think that, you know, Donegal raising is is common. Um, I think that I would give it, player of the week, I would give to McBeardy for that. Hmm. Yeah, I'd probably edge towards Stephen O'Hanlon just for, for how good he, he played, obviously, against Dublin and seeing him in the flesh and, and everything else. But, yeah, I think a moment of the week, a performance of the week, I think, yeah, I think Donegal for, for how good... They looked. Uh, definitely, don't think you can uh, you can neglect them. In fairness, before we finish up uh, the GA Sports Tracker app, where can people find that? Obviously, you were listing off a few stats and and everything else there. So, if people want to see that in more detail, where can they find it? Yeah, it's just on Twitter. Um, on Twitter, you probably see it a wee bit. We've we've made some changes to the app over the winter. It took a wee bit longer to get in, but um, now in real time, you get to see you know the amount of sessions you're winning, the amount of kickouts you're winning, also what the outcome of them is, which is really important. Um, and it's quite high level too. You know, if you want to, you can drill down into individual players, but it's quite high level in the fact that it tells you exactly what you need to know and it has a purpose to it rather than just say, you won this to win. It's, you won this to win, you got a point. You won five kickouts and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But it's just on Twitter under GEA Tracker app, I think it is. I think that's what our handle is. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, um, yeah, cheers anyone who obviously tuned in. If you could hit the like button and subscribe, be uh, be much appreciated. And uh, big thanks to Kevin for coming on and for anyone who tuned in. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you all later in the week for the preview of uh, round two of the National Football League. So yeah, cheers anyone who tuned in.